Welcome back to Specialty Coffee Talk, the show where we talk high-quality coffee in a low-quality way. I'm your host, Philip, and today we are with Austin and Tim from Augie's Coffee Roasters. Big episode here. Big episode. All right, guys, so we got some lightning round questions we want to do with you. Start from the top. What is your favorite origin for coffee right now? Probably Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. Definitely one of my favorite you know, pastime favorites and current favorites. I'm gonna say Kenya. I'm a sucker for bright, I like acidity. We'll go with Kenya. All right, favorite process? Natural. Ah, yes. Natural. I'll say washed. Oh, differentiation. <laughs> okay. So would you say that uh, natural Ethiopia is like, that's where it's at for you? It is, but it, like, it's got to be the right time of day. So like, that's my favorite cup, but in the morning I do want like the most basic chocolatey Guatemalan or, you know, Central or South American. But then afternoon after lunch, I definitely want, you know, fruit bomb explosion. So, I mean, I have the same answer. I feel like in the morning, I don't want that. Okay. I want like a Guatemala or we have a Peru right now that's really nice, which is what you're drinking, actually. Oh, and that's then, what that is? Yep. That's yep. really good. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a bunch at home? Right? <laughs> about it. That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and then afternoon, once I've warmed up and I'm ready to taste... Yeah, I want washed Kenya. Austin, for you, like, what's your, f what, what do you get most excited about tasting in a coffee? Uh, I know uh, some people are yeah. into like, oh man, like this one time I tasted bell pepper, or like my first experience with Augie's coffee that blew my mind is actually tasting tomato basil soup. Yep. Was okay. a flavor. So perfect. Was it a Kenyan? I don't remember. I think it was. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, real clean fruit, like jammy, fruity, sweetness. So. You know, raspberry, blueberry, just super fruity. That's what I like, and that's like what's gonna, that's what kind of attracted me to coffee in the first place, and that's what, mm. whenever I have a really clean, fruity cup, that's all I want. That's it. And I think my most taste that I get most stoked about is like floral mm. characteristics. I really like um, florality in, in coffees. Was there a coffee that you can uh, think back to that kind of like, kind of changed stuff for you? You know, there's that moment where you drink it and you're like, whoa, what, what in the world? This is coffee, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think it was definitely a tasting I did at Four Barrel. Uh, oops. They did a cupping and uh, we, my favorite coffee and least favorite coffee on the table were both the same coffee, just processed differently. Oh. So that was kind of that eye-opening experience where I'm like, whoa, this is kind of wild. This is crazy. This is you know, more than just coffee. It's something special going on. And my, my first time having that experience was at Clatch. We had a table of the widest range of coffees. It was everything from uh, washed coffee from Sumatra to a natural from a natural geisha from Panama. And that natural geisha was just insane. It was amazing. I've never, I've actually never had a geisha yet. Oh, really? For Is like it? three more minutes. Yeah, we can make it happen right now. <laughs> There's some brewing right outside Breaking the door. I'm texting right now. That's Siri, fun. make geisha happen. Hey, Siri, can you make? Um, what is your so Tim you roast Austin you roast as roasters you guys have a you know like a different understanding I would imagine a different relationship sounds weird with the bean 
That sounds weird mm-hmm. too. Um, <laughs> I like it. But what's like? What's your favorite roaster to try right now? I mean, it doesn't have to be forever, but like for right now, other than your own stuff. Other than our own stuff, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of friends in the industry, but like right now, I'm I'm really excited when we're trying. Man, we try a lot of good coffee here. The past few times, I've been blown away. Probably Ruby. Ruby's done a really solid job. Yes. They're out of what Wisconsin. They do a really good job. Love their branding. Super simple. Super mm-hmm. clean. And it's pretty cool what they've done in you know kind of a middle of nowhere type thing, which mm-hmm. I can appreciate being in the Inland Empire. I feel mm-hmm. like we don't get all the credit. They're they're doing exciting stuff. And I think for me, the roaster that's been consistently I'm stoked when we receive bags from them has been Tandem from Portland, Maine. Okay. Yeah, a really small company, mm-hmm. but their coffees have been great. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. We've tried Ruby. I don't think we've ever tried Tandem. Never tried Tandem. Very good. Austin, you, where do you sit in this company? You're not, your name isn't Augie. Nope. But, it's uh, Austin. Yeah, it's Austin. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's a family company. It's me and my dad. So I'm one of the owners here. The name kind of actually comes a little bit from more of our origin story. So like I said, it's a family company, me and my dad. And we actually took over an existing coffee shop. The name was Augie, uh, Augie's. And we kind of liked it. We kept it. Um, that was back in 2009. And yeah, we've been rocking it since. And we really enjoy it. I said I was going to name my son Augie, and then I had two girls. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he has two girls named Augie. Two girls named Augie. <laughs> no. Augustina? No, we, ch- we talked about it. Uh, yeah, so. But yeah, so it's actually the original owner's grandfather. He uh, passed away about 18 months ago. Awesome, awesome farmer guy from Fresno, and he literally only drank coffee. So no water, just coffee. Oh, wow. My goodness. So, yeah. yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. He'd come in and... It's all the antioxidants. <laughs> right? Yeah. He loved that everything had his name on it, and he just thought it was a hoot. So it was a, it was a good time. It's a good name, and... Yeah. Tim, what do you what do you do here? You're always you're always off in tropical locales. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So do you just travel around and source beans? That's all you do every week? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's all it is. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I do like I'm the head roaster, I do uh, a lot of our green buying and then I do like web management, so the descriptions on our website, I run our Instagram, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the traveling origin for green buying is has been at least a big portion the beginning of this year. It's been fun. I just keep posting selfies. <laughs> Cheesy smile selfies. <laughs> How many... Um you said you started, so downtown Redlands, California, you started in, you said 2009, yep. right? Correct. And where are you at now? I mean, as far as I know, we're at four shops and counting. Yep. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's Tell exciting. us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, we have four stores now in downtown Redlands. Then we opened in Riverside, then to Claremont, and last year we opened in Temecula. And now we're actually working on two more locations, which is really exciting, uh, in downtown Riverside and also in Redlands again. So kind of our second location in both those cities that we've been a part of for a long time. So pretty exciting. Going to be smaller locations, but yeah, should be a slightly more convenient to get to. Tim, tell us a little bit sourcing. I mean, I know like Austin's obviously has huge say, so both chime in, but... Like when you're sourcing coffee, what are you sourcing right now? How does that work? How does green buying work? What's the process like? How do you yeah. how do you go about picking a coffee to get all that stuff? So with sourcing, you know, we're trying anywhere from 
40 to 100 coffees before we're going to make a purchasing decision. So um, it's a little different whether uh, when we're cupping here at the warehouse, so we're roasting samples that an importer has sent us or a farmer has sent us, they'll usually send a, a kind of grab bag of the coffees that are in season right now. So we'll get a bag that has Honduras and Peru and PNG in it, where when I'm at Origin, what we're doing is we're cupping a table of coffee from one region within one country. So I get to cup you know, 30 some odd coffees from one region. You know, it's from one peak on this mountain. Um, and that's really nice because then I get to see this huge range of coffees and kind of decide what what I think um, is the best representation of that area and then like what we want to share with our, our guests at the stores. And then cupping here at the warehouse just entails, we get samples, we're roasting them. And then here it's nice because we have like a team of people that we're cupping with and can make decisions and bounce ideas off of each other uh, and then go forward that way. Essentially what we're looking for is the coffees that we want to put in an Augie's bag. <laughs> Sometimes that's the most like typical representation of, you know, say Antigua in Guatemala. Um, sometimes it's the really weird stuff that that is just like, whoa, this, how is this from Guatemala even? Like this tastes like mm -hmm. a coffee from Ethiopia or whatever it is. Um, so there's kind of a, a little mix of what we're looking for. Okay, and you source from, I mean, these guys are, you mentioned in origin, how do you like? How do you get your hands on enough of those beans for four stores? How does that work? Um, yeah, in all the different countries, it's it's different. So, in Ethiopia, you know, I'm cupping. I cupped tables. Um, I cupped like four tables one day of coffees from Yurgachev and Guji, and the smallest lot was 70 bags. So it's 70, 60 kilogram bags. So 152 pounds per bag. Uh, 70 bags was the smallest lot. The largest was like 500 bags or something. So that's two containers of, of coffee that's available to purchase. Where in a country like Costa Rica, let's say, there's we cupped uh, a handful of them and I think the largest lot was seven bags. Yeah. Oh, wow. So in it, each country is kind of its own beast and there's different um, political influences that kind of play a role in that. But yeah, in some regions, it's hard to find lots that are gonna, that are like sustainable offerings for us. And then in some regions, it's very, the coffee is readily available and, and delicious coffee is readily available. Yeah, with, with those smaller lots, we're currently working on something that makes a little more sense for us to be bringing in these really small lots and then um, having them be sustainable offerings that we can share with people, but in a, in a more special format. We're working a on very something. special format. A new, very special format. <laughs> have you have you noticed? I guess one region, or maybe even like down to a farmer in like a really specific area that's consistently, you know, year after year producing. Like, wow, this is, we have to share this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a handful. As like this specialty coffee is becoming so much more popular, and farmers are, um, you know, we're asking them year after year to produce high quality coffees, and we can pay, you know, ex exponentially more than what they're worth uh, at the sea market. More farmers are learning how to replicate uh, the flavor profiles that are essentially more valuable um, to roasters like us. A handful, I mean, washed Ethiopia is always amazing. Every year, year after year, washed Ethiopias are just 
they don't fail. Like they're always good. And then outside of that, there's there's a lot of farms that are doing really good things. The first one that comes to mind is La Palma El Tucan in Colombia, Cundinamarca. And I mean, their coffees are just, they're always amazing. They're always delicious. Uh, they, they just have a very good uh, knowledge base on what they're doing. And they, they really know how to replicate flavors and how to make uh, cups that are very valuable to us. So what kind of differences are you noticing as far as like processes when you're tasting them? What kind of flavor differences do you notice? Um, between processes, so so from like wash to honey to natural. Yeah, to yeah natural. that'd be perfect. Like yeah. what's, I guess what's general and then what's, I guess, what's your personal experience, I guess. Yeah. Obviously, Austin, as a uh, former uh, U.S. Tasters Cup oh, champion, yeah. <laughs> you would, you'd probably have a lot to I mean, say about this as well. I mean, that was years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago now. <laughs> I have to defend the, you know, I have to get back into it next, next month and defend my old title. <laughs> but then we'll see. Flavor differences uh, between the processes in a, in a general sense are, you start with washed coffees, which are, I think those make up like 70, at least 70% of the coffees produced worldwide. Um, they're the most uh, normal coffees to process. And the flavors that you get out of a washed coffee are gonna be a little, a little more citric in general. You'll get a little more citric acidity, maybe a little more chocolate, maybe nuts. And then as you get into honey processing, you'll start getting quite a bit more fruit, a bit more like apparent sweetness. Uh, and then when you get into full-blown naturals, you get uh, a range of, you know, from coffees that that are very fruity and clean to coffees that are really funky and wild and weird. Um, but I, I'd say that's the, the general difference. You go from coffees that are a little cleaner, maybe uh, bright like citric acidity and chocolatey to coffees that on the far end of the spectrum are like funky, fruity. No, oh, I'm looking for like balanced and bright. I'm going for a washed. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You mentioned when you were talking earlier about selling, you said the C market. What's the C market? So that's what coffee trades for um, essentially as weight at the, you know, in, in stocks. Yeah. So it's yeah. like the, the commodity the market commodity is market. traded yeah. as a stock. And, okay. you know, that is like the just commodity. So nothing to do with quality. Mm -hmm. Pretty much just for weight, how much mm -hmm. it's worth by, by weight. And then for specialty coffee, it's always, is it always like an 80 plus? How do they get those ratings? Yeah. What, eight, like for scores? Okay. Yeah. yeah. How do so they get specialty those is over 80. Yeah. And then essentially, you know, the Specialty Coffee Association has a, a cupping sheet which, you know, when you go through and you fill out acidity, body, sweetness, balance, forgetting something else. Finish. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, f you fill out the score sheet, you come up with a number, and anything over 80 is specialty grade. You know, but that's kind of, individual to the roaster and your palate. I mean, and that's the tough thing, is, like, the thing, they're trying to really make it a universal language and, like, have an understanding of, you know, there's a, a qualification to kind of go through. And, yeah, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, they're trying to standardize it and it's, you know, not like a preference thing, but mm -hmm. more of a try to be a fact thing mm -hmm. based on filling out the score sheet. If you're trained to fill out the score sheet, it should be, you know, if you, Tim or I fill it out and then a cupper in Guatemala or, or Colombia, we should be pretty close to each other mm -hmm. when we're evaluating a specific coffee. Is there a specific way you have to roast that it must be roasted to evaluate it at? That's always like the toughest thing because, I mean, sample roasting is like an art in itself and mm -hmm. It's very hard to get consistency and like to really master it. Um, on the production side, you know, we have a lot more control and 
over those variables and can really dial in a flavor profile. Um, you know, I feel like every time I go to Origin or any other company, and I feel like there's always a few samples on the table that you just have to kind of throw out because they weren't roasted very well. And that's tough when you're trying to evaluate and purchase coffee and you kind of just have to skip a whole selection because it wasn't roasted properly. So you're talking about uh, like the way it tastes and as far as like, you know, people getting into coffee, a lot of what you're starting with is learning how to taste all of the different notes and stuff. So what did, what, what do you kind of recommend for that? You think it's just tasting every coffee that you possibly can or? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's definitely the approach I took. You know, we used to serve clatch coffee before we started roasting our own. Um, you know, so I went to every class they had available and any literature I could find online, I fell into coffee without knowing anything about coffee. I didn't drink coffee before and I just really fell in love with it and the thing I learned from Mike uh, Mike at Clatch was really just taste as much coffee as you can and then as we started roasting it was like you know record everything you do and then taste it and you know really try to keep a correlation between what happened and how that tasted mm. you know so I mean here at the warehouse you know we've got four people that work back here full-time pretty much and I think we have like <laughs> four or five coffee subscriptions that we're subscribed to. Mm -hmm. So we're getting, you know, bags of beans pretty much every day from other roasters. Um, You know, some of them are blind, so we're trying to just, you know, kind of go through and guess what they are. Some of them are, you know, from roasters we really admire. And some of them are darker than we prefer, you know, just kind of the whole everything, the whole range of coffee. And that's that's kind of the way we teach people how how to learn here, too. Mm -hmm. Just try as much as you can. What is your approach to roasting? So you get your beans, you've... (laughs) gone you've cupped it and now how are you going to i mean i guess the simple answer is i want it to taste the best it can but like that's different for every bean right no it's actually i just try to make it the best it can just like you said no i'm kidding (laughs) um yeah so so we use a program called uh cropster and in cropster i'm able to log so many different things more than i do log like more than i even like no is available on the thing it's a very robust program so i'm uh i'm logging you know all the changes that i make i'm noting different things as the coffee you know as the coffee ages maybe i started roasting it a little different whatever it is um and with this database of information every time we're getting a new coffee i have a whole database of coffees that I found how to roast in the way that I thought tasted the best. So I'm playing a lot off of the information that I've logged in this software. So let's say we have coffee from Weiwei Tenango, a coffee from, let's say, 1,800 meters in Weiwei Tenango, fully washed process in 2016. Let's say we buy another lot, similar elevation, similar processing in 2017. I now have the virtually the same mm-hmm bean uh I, I mean in a perfect world it's the same bean and then so so i'll just plug it into that information that i have from the last coffee so and that's at least a great starting point exactly exactly yeah. and sometimes that proves to be a bad starting point <laughs> but it's at least uh somewhere it's somewhere to give me confidence <clears throat> to like turn on the roaster and go okay. with the coffee because there's so many different factors playing into how that bean's getting to you and it changes totally. the way it's going to taste right yeah yeah i mean everything from i mean the past few years cundinamarca in colombia has been very 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 dry mm. so that's been changing how the coffee tastes every year and how how they have to process it and and everything so um, that plays a huge role and and that means like in way Tenango, if it's more dry one year than it was before and I didn't realize that I get in that coffee and start roasting it it's gonna roast completely different and then that's just something that you kind of have to roll with 
what is like what's a coffee that you've that you cupped and was excellent? Does this happen all the time? And then it gets here and you're like, yeah. there is no way to how make specific? this coffee taste yeah. good. How specific? Oh, uh, I mean, that happens every year, and you know, I definitely think a lot of times it's with like a larger bean varietal, so like okay. Pacamara, Margohipe. You know, they're large bean, really difficult to roast to begin with, and you know, we definitely have had that occasion where you know, at origin, you cup it and it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, pay a high premium for it. It eventually gets here, and then can't really figure out why we purchased it. You know, um, and that's you know, that's could be a hundred different variables. So it's always really tough. Yeah. You know, so we're trying to make sure the relationship is is strong, and you know, we'll continue to work with them again next year and hmm. figure out you know how we could do it better both on both ends. But you know, that definitely happens, and it's a bummer when that happens. But yeah. that's kind of part of the 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 thing and you just kind of have to roll with it and make it taste as good as it can be and when you're at origin it's really hard to turn off the whole romance of it Mm -hmm. you know that's easy to kind of fall into Mm -hmm. you know you're at this you know tropical place you know it's really crazy you're meeting people that are so excited to see you you know and then you're tasting 30 coffees all from the same micro region so you know little differences in the cup are you know, like through a magnifying glass or, you know, they're massive, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it happens, but you just kind of have to roll with it. And you guys have, you mentioned the relationships. So you, you work on direct trade relationships as much as possible, or do you rely more on like an importer to source? Like what's, mm-hmm. what's the better option? Is there, is there a better option? I like both personally. Mm-hmm. Um, direct trade has now become a very like hard to pin down exactly what someone means when they say that mm-hmm. you know we've we've like shook a lot of farmers hands at their house you know mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we're not going to employ an importer in the process of like bringing the coffee over and then on top of that i personally really like buying coffee even just from an importer like a coffee that they purchased have it sitting in a warehouse here in the u.s i've never met the farmer as far as i know it's just the sample that showed up to our door and the reason i like that is because if it's an importer that we really believe in, then I believe that what they're doing is is committing to support this farmer on a, a bigger level than we're able to. You know, we're a small roaster. We have four shops and... And like you said, soon to be more. But at the same time, this importer mm-hmm. is supporting coffee for you know how dozens and dozens of shops that have more shops than us. So they're able to to year after year commit to support a farmer and their family and mm-hmm. give back into their region on in ways that I'm not able to do as a roaster at Augie's. So so I personally really you know when we find importers that we really believe in at that level, I'm all about buying coffee from them and it's not a huge deal that I don't get to meet the farmer so both are very exciting for me there may not be like a good answer to this it's just is there like what's what's the vision behind Augie's as a business I I don't know I would say larger purpose but that sounds like kind of grandiose and ridiculous but or is it just like we really want people to enjoy coffee and hang out yeah I mean I think the big thing for us has always been like you know the community aspect of it um you know, like I said, when we kind of took over, my dad and I, we didn't 
know what we were getting into. We I didn't drink coffee. I worked at Blockbuster. You know, he thought this was going to be like a kind of a side gig for his construction company and just kind of help, you know, float some of those odd months. And his construction company never got another job. So it's kind of a whole quickly turned to like, oh, no, this needs to like pay the mortgage to the house and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I kind of fell into it and never like had a romantic idea about coffee until, you know, learning about the culture and the community that it had around it. Um, so for me, coffee quality was always, you know, up there because that keeps it interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. But the community that I met through co- the coffee shop, like Augie's itself and through the grander specialty coffee community, you know, all those relationships with people you only get to see a few times a year at these special events. That was kind of always the biggest thing is like creating those these type of places. You know, I actually met my wife at Augie's um, when I was working there. Uh, we got married at Augie's. The Redlands? The Redlands okay. shop. Yep. And then like uh, my daughter spent a week at the NICU and we left the hospital and went straight to Augie's. So like for us, it's just like that. You know, it is home. Probably there more than home. Uh, <laughs> So that was kind of always the biggest thing, you know, and then the specialty coffee side of it is like just so exciting, you know, because of the same reason, though. So, like, you know, it's really exciting when you can build these relationships with people halfway across the world, you know, follow them on Instagram. They could see what you're doing, serve their coffee. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. And that's like the thing that keeps me excited to come to work every day. It's just like these new avenues we get to do because of that community. Like, how did you because you guys were doing sandwiches and yeah, like it was basically like a cafe when you bought it totally so how did you kind of what, what's the process of converting into <laughs> wow we're all about coffee yeah so i think it kind of just goes you know better to say like kind of start to finish what how we started augies i guess you know so like i said we you know my dad took his retirement was trying to diversify and we looked at a bunch of cash businesses which nowadays are restaurants liquor stores and then oddball retail we looked at a light fixture store looked at a lot of liquor stores and just kind of nothing that we wanted to do as a family. And then we actually walked into Augie's and existing coffee shop, you know, definitely that whole second to third wave, you know, blended drinks and food, like you said. Um, And we just were like, oh, this is something we could do as a family and like put our name on, you know, we're from the community. It's something, you know, we knew we were going to be a part of. So we bought this coffee shop with no idea what we were doing and then quickly realized like, oh, we bought a failing coffee shop. So, you know, trying food and all these different things to increase ticket value is just kind of what you have to do. And then essentially he never got another job again after buying Augie. So for the first 18 months, we just used his retirement that we used to purchase Augie's to keep the company afloat and to keep the mortgage paid. <clears throat> and then at the end of the second summer, you know, we were serving good coffee. We had remodeled. We had decided we're just going to do specialty coffee because that's going to set us apart enough from the other shops in town. Wasn't happening quick enough to, you know, keep the house. So we got down to our last $10,000 in the bank and I convinced him we're going to float the company through the end of the year um, if we kind of keep going at this rate or we can buy this roaster off of Craigslist and like just, you know, jump into it both feet and you know fully off bet everything <laughs> right so yeah off craigslist and drove out to the middle of nowhere in elko nevada <laughs> picked it up plugged it in and really started you know the brand that augie's is today mm. and um yeah it's just been kind of a wild ride of survival and now we're here 
so much for listening to part one with Augie's Coffee Roasters. There is so much more of the origin story left to tell, so check out part two and uh, also tons of information on uh, most of the competitions and we get into all kinds of fun fun details and backstories and little little things with them. So really fun episode. I hope you guys check out part two. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Reach out to Philip or myself at specialty coffee talk at gmail.com and we look forward to hearing from you thank you so much